And hello and welcome to D&G Football Podcast uh, and it is the 28th of April. Uh, it is, isn't it? It is the 28th of April. All day. All day, yeah. We've been a while, we've missed you, uh, been a busy month uh, as a result. This is uh, how we line up for today's pod. Um, it's Stefan Hagen speaking as usual and... And it's Portelli speaking as usual. Uh, we don't usually give surnames. I just gave a surname. We'll delete that. Pretend you never heard that, listeners. And, if I'm, we... ca- and I'm called Portelli anyway, so that's yeah. all good. <laughs> if we had an editor like the Guardian Call podcast, then they could scrub that out. Well, we kind of do because we have this new transition music. That's kind of editing, isn't it? Yeah, I thought that's a nice little cool touch yeah, for you, yeah, listeners. Yeah, Hopefully, yeah. you enjoy that. I noticed that other pods uh, have some sort of music. That is quite dramatic. It's quite yeah. Well, it's dramatic football chat. That's what it is. I felt like putting, I've got a hoodie on. I felt like putting my hood up and being a bit gangster with that theme tune. But you yes, know, how was the character? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, there's a lot of recent news to get through. It's going to take up a fair bit of the pod today. Um, from all sorts of stuff like the FA semi-finals, um, the uh, things like Ch- uh, Ched Evans, uh, it's more Martinez talk going on at the moment as well. Uh, Leicester City being very close, the Champions League semi-finals, the big news about the Hillsborough case, a um, bit about the relegation battles, Rafa Benitez, the discussion about him there, uh, a bit of West Ham youth signings. Sacco, team of the season, Ched Evans and Jolien Lescott, all sorts. Got loads going on there. Um, and then we're getting to um, look at a bit of a recap about Gutierrez and what we said about him. Uh, then we've got the main topic of the day, which would best be described by you. So the main topic of today is about players' positions. There's certain players I've watched when I'm thinking, you are clearly in the wrong position. So we want to chat about whether players can be coached in certain positions or whether they're just played in the wrong positions by managers. And we're also going to counter that with certain managers and teams that just shoehorn good players into, good, into certain positions and say it can work because you're a good player. It's having that balanced discussion about um, players and their positions. And we also do some car- comparisons between certain players to see how they would fit um, in different teams. OK, I didn't think it was that. I thought it was more... Can I? Can I? I you, when you're talking can, positions, I'm yeah. going to bring in things like defensive midfielders, and how I think it's the easiest position to play in the world. Well, that's why it's a, that's why it's a discussion, isn't it? We can have that discussion. Yeah, good. All right, okay. So that's what we've got coming up, guys. Uh, so let's start off with um, the big news. I'm going to say, <laughs> which is the FA Cup semi-finals. Let's start with the Man United Everton ones, because otherwise I'll rattle on about the Palace one too much. Um, so. 2-1 Man United, dramatic late winner, uh, a game of two halves one might say. Yeah, I really only watched the second half and it struck, struck me as like, a if I thought who was the big team and who was a lower team, it almost seemed like Everton were the sort of bigger size and United were kind of like a lower, lower team playing against them and hoping to hit them on the break and they kind of played in that kind of manner certainly the second half anyway uh, well yeah um, you've got a habit of not watching games but anyway here we go um, the first half was let's quite not, let's the not call attention to that I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah then having big opinions the first half actually um, was hard to tell whether United were really impressive or whether Everton just can't defend but it was total dominance by Man United, but without huge clear-cut chances, um, should I say. I mean, there were some chances, um, and uh, the keeper did 
play quite well. But it wasn't like they were carving them up at will because they were playing quite deep, Everton. But Man United played very well. And something happened as well, which was Wayne Rooney played an attacking midfield and actually played fantastic, apart from just, you know, he cleared the ball off the line, but that's generally not what his role was. But he actually, well, fantastic strong, but he played well. Um, he looked like it's a better position for him than it is up front. And I've always maintained, as I said, I think in the last pod, that I, I've always thought his natural position is a Gaza-style attacking midfielder. He drifts, he roams. Um, and it was only that one season where he got those 30 goals and a lot of heady goals, which was a true striker position that he was playing, that he's ever looked like a natural striker. That's one season out of a whole career. Yeah, I thought he played quite well in that role against Crystal Palace as well. Not to the same level, but I think his strengths are his crossfield passing, his ability to get, get out of tight spots. And he's kind of got that strength about him where he may well bundle past the player not necessarily in the most elegant way but just that quick half turn use a bit of strength get past someone and create and it's we can this actually links to player positions which we can talk about later but it's a no-brainer to play him in that position i think so because no one's doubted he's he's a skillful player um who's got a decent range of passing and a good technique um what people have doubted is that his goal scoring record was pretty good, but I've, no one's ever, people have doubted whether he's a natural scorer, a natural in the box player. And United lacked that in the first half of the season. Martial drifts out wide, you know the likes of Van Persie were sold, etc. And it was a big problem in the first six months about them not having a true player to put uh, balls away and so on. Uh, also, Man United looked very. Un-Man United, by the way, in this first half of the game. Mm. It was very positive in the sense that Rashford, Lingard, and I've never been a big fan of Lingard, actually, um, and Martial were all playing very well. I think Martial got a little bit too much credit. He, man of the match, fine, but you know he, he was impressive, but he was also impressive in a kind of still-out-wide rather than directly terrifying people through the middle sort of way. Mm, mm. Um, and maybe a bit more end result was possible. But there were definitely good signs. Whether that's enough for the huge transfer fee that he came for is another matter. But there was pace. There was excitement. You know the things that I talk about in the last pod about how watching England is quite depressing because of the style of football? Well, that's very much been the case with Man United. But in the first half, there was youth pace and positivity that I've not seen in a Van Houseside. Yeah, and based on the core of um, youngsters, which, as we've discussed, Van Hal does get too much credit for the youngster thing, but he's actually stuck with you know, Lingard, um, Rashford and Martial Tranver, and it seems to be working quite well. You can't really... I know Martial's young, but with the signing fee and everything, you can't really say that's the same thing. No, no, I, I agree. I, I completely agree, but I'm more just making the point in general that it's a good young strike force, and if you can let them have that freedom, that's what they can do. And it's he doesn't usually let people have freedom. I mean, I will say that we've said that he stumbled upon youngsters, and he didn't really uh, have a youth policy, and he's getting too much credit. Um, and I still think that that's the case with Rashford. I feel like he is looking... Like some of the quotes he said, I feel like he's looking for him to make a mistake. But with Lingard, he's genuinely still left yeah, confusing the likes of Herrera and sometimes others on the bench um, to accommodate him, which is quite refreshing because he did look good against Everton. And maybe that was a one-off or maybe it was confidence in a run of games that youth youngsters don't usually get a chance. However, as much as I praise that, I actually am still a bit confused what Herrera has to do to get a run of games because he's a regular player. Yeah, but I'm you can play them both really and I'm fine I know I'm actually fine with Lingard not being the best footballer in the world because so you don't need 11 superstars. We'll talk about that later and we've already discussed that about teams. 
Lingard, he's fine. Many teams will pay twenty million for fine. Well, he's not scared to shoot. Still think there needs to be more in product, but you know it's, he certainly offers something, and something uh, is positive for United in terms of something with pace and something that can actually run at people even if the end product's a little bit sore that's not so bad when you haven't spent 30 odd or whatever million on yeah, Martial you know, that type of player yeah. um, but, so it was a game of two halves and yeah the second half I mean I'm, I'm, you're particularly not a Martinez fan I'm not necessarily a Martinez fan but I have to give Everton credit they absolutely took it to Man United generally after their penalty miss which I think De Gea got way too much credit for oh well okay interesting I got a story with, with De Gea actually I was talking to my um, my friend at the pub yesterday you have a friend but listeners will be shocked I yeah. tolerate you. <laughs> well, well, uh, maybe. But uh, yeah, I was talking to um, him and based on listening to our podcast, he said he wanted to pay more attention to the media bias and the overpraise of the players, that kind of stuff. And he said with De Gea, it was ridiculous. He, he said the penalty save was a good save, but it was made out as if it was right in the corner when it really wasn't. Um, De Gea actually made a mistake where he kicked it straight at the cuckoo and the... Lukaku. Lukaku. Was... I'm always doing deliberately now. Right. <laughs> no, and... And the commentators didn't say anything because they were too busy talking about the penalty savers if it was the best one ever. And there was another incident where he actually parried it straight out to an attacker and it was being made as a world-class save. And it was, and this is the thing, this is not me and you talking, this is someone who's neutral kind of talking about that kind of stuff and he's seen it. But is he looking for it because we've said it or has he just got his eyes open? I don't he's, argue the latter. He's certainly got his eyes open. But the fact is, if there's something there, then you're going to... Sp- then if you're looking for it, they'll spot it. If there was nothing there, then you wouldn't see it. I agree that he deserves some credit for that penalty Without save. Uh, it was a strong hand, but as yeah. you say, it really positionally, it was terrible. And actually, uh, funny enough, I said I missed the first half, I was actually in a taxi at the time and I was listening to the radio and I heard about the penalty save. So I hadn't seen it. And they were going, what an amazing save. It was literally right in the corner. No other goalkeeper would have probably got that. But it's right in the corner. Strong hand. So you didn't even watch the whole of the second half? I was only a bit. I literally came in straight after the <laughs> penalty. But you're missing the point. Oh, no, I see yeah. the point. The point is that it, it was made out as if it was truly amazing. And he made two mistakes after, which wasn't mentioned. Or I th- I, I'm not making out that there isn't a bias towards players. There certainly is. But I also on a separate point, I think that... A lot of media are trying to over-sensationalise what is largely a pretty average bunch of players in the world right now because it's this big marketing tool and they're trying to keep people excited. But the reality is is that it was talked about as if it was like the best semi-final ever. And it was a good game, but again, it's over-hyped. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like the, the Premier League marketing machine is, is, is working harder than the actual And that's probably players why players like De Gea get too much credit in a way, because it's like, we've got the Spanish goalkeeper, he's known, let's really, really hype him. Yeah, I think there is an element of um, making people around the world who just want big names watch and listen and but, then, so but then it almost becomes like wrestling then where it doesn't matter how the wrestler performs it's just about hype and about the fact the, the agenda is this guy's a good wrestler he'll win the games and then we'll big him up because it's his profile at that point it becomes more like that they call them games are we seriously wrestling you know that's fake right that's what I'm saying <laughs> it, yeah, that's the thing it's almost not too much different because it doesn't matter how certain players perform they're always going to be praised as if it's a great performance. So at that point, is that fake? Uh, okay, let's get it back onto football. That's yeah. what you mean. <laughs> yeah, but I, I actually, football pod. Well, well with, with that as well, um, about the reactive nature of football, you know, my, pe- people know my opinion on Martinez, but what makes me laugh is that Martinez all of a sudden, rightly so, is under pressure 
if he'd won that game and Van Hal lost, it would have been, oh, Van Hal's terrible, Martinez is getting on track. And the only difference is a missed penalty by Lukaku. And a late goal. And, and a late goal. And Lukaku yeah, missing missed some chances. Exactly. I've got to say, he hasn't looked good in recent weeks. No, he hasn't. And his first half performance, he missed a hell of a chance. And he missed some in the second half. Um, but it, like you're talking about fine margins. If he puts them in, people say he's back. He's a big game player. His uh, true class shines through. And you're right about the manager thing. Right now... If it's the same thing goes for Pardew and Palace. Had he have lost, um, then all of a sudden the league form is, is paid attention to a lot more exactly. and he's considered terrible. My point would be, and the same point is for Alan Pardew, is that he's not a great manager overnight. Exactly. Or and you're not a bad manager overnight. Yeah. So Van Howe isn't suddenly a great manager and Martinez isn't suddenly a bad manager. I felt... That he's, he's spread his weaknesses for yes, quite a while. Exactly. It's and not, I still it, think Van Hal yeah. is doing a poor job. Yeah. Regardless, I mean, I don't care if, if either of them won the FA Cup. It would not. It would not change anything for me. But it would change something for me if those performances, in terms of positivity, the performance in the first half was a more regular occurrence. Yeah. But as that's well. the thing. It's a regular trend over time, not reactive. Yeah. And uh, completely agree with that. Um, We'll get on to Martinez. Let's get to the other semi-final for now. Absolutely. It's the one I'm waiting for. So, yes, Crystal Palace. Oh, it's exciting. But is it exciting? What I mean is just that the FA Cup, it's not really the same. But it's still great. It's still fantastic. The reality is, is that in... In the English football pyramid, there are only really three trophies that the uh, top two leagues compete for, um, apart from playoffs, etc. and so on. So you've got your equivalent league, you've got the FA Cup, sorry, and you've got the League Cup. Uh, league Cup, great in terms of when it finishes to not interfere with the league. Um, so I should be pretty happy. I wish it was as regarded as it was in the past, um, but it's not, let's be honest, with the likes of Portsmouth and Hull getting there, it isn't quite the same magic, but I'm going to enjoy it, because it's the first time in 26 years that Crystal Palace have got to the final of the FA Cup, and yes, we played Watford, who aren't the best team in the world, but make no doubt that Palace had a uh, tough draws to get to the final. Uh, We played Premier League teams in every single game, apart from... One, which was Reading away. Um, so that's that's a pretty hard gig. Beating Tottenham away from home as well. No mean feat. Uh, and Southampton and Stoke at home. So we've had a few uh, tough games, to be honest. Uh, and Wembley, the day itself. Let's talk about the day itself. I went there with very little expectation in terms of our chances of winning. We had picked up in the 0-0 against Everton, but also showed that we still can't score. Um, but then... Hard to judge the performance, but against United with some rested players, uh, it didn't tell us too much, but it didn't look great either way. Uh, And I wasn't convinced in any way, shape or form, but Watford have also had pretty bad form, but definitely uh, a bit better than Palace. Um, So I went into the game expecting, really, a terrible game for the neutral. Um, Wasn't surprised that there were corporate tickets that didn't get sold. Um, And was also... Again, reminded of the disgusting situation when it comes to corporate tickets at these big events. First of all, way too many tickets, way too many are given to non-fans, to these corporate um, businesses and so on. Way too many. Secondly, they're not even taken up. 
the Club Wembley situation needs to be really changed. It needs to be like an opt-in system rather than these empty seats. Um, so there was a few flying around quite late on, which allowed um, a few other people that I know to get along to the game. Uh, the atmosphere on the day was fantastic. I'm not a fan of the semi-finals being played at Wembley uh, in terms of tradition. However, I see the practical point of view that they basically uh, need the money, Wembley, and it makes it that bit more meaningful in the quarterfinals and before that because it gives you a better chance of having that day out of Wembley for the club, for the fans. So I can see that the point. Lower league clubs. Particularly the lower league clubs, I think, that the Wembley thing is a big thing. Yeah. But it's a big thing anyway. I'm not actually the biggest fan of Wembley Stadium itself because it is the typical modern stadium that lacks a bit of character. And big grounds are sometimes hard to get an atmosphere going. But I felt like Palace did pretty well on that. I mean, a lot of the press suggested that that's the case, but we know that's not always true. Having been at the Arsenal Palace game <coughs> in how the were, Arsenal end. How were the Watford fans? Um, what, well... Let's just say big stadiums like Arsenal and Wembley are sometimes hard to get atmosphere going. Um, Watford, we've played them before at Wembley and until this season in the Premier League at home, they've never been a loud bunch. I've been to Watford away. They're a nice bunch, harmless, friendly, good family club, but not particularly uh, loud bunch. But going into the ground and around Baker Street, it was mayhem, followed, completely swamped by Palace. Really super loud. The fans singing crazy, throwing beer everywhere. Some flares being let off, which I'm not a fan of. But there was certainly a buzz about the occasion. Walking into the ground, I saw mainly Palace fans. Um, but the Watford fans I did see were very quiet. Um, so I was expecting them to be quiet again like they were in the playoff final. But actually, in the ground, I was very surprised. It seemed like, because they only had a couple of maybe more basic songs that they could get that going across the whole end a bit more than the fact that we have actually got quite a few songs at Palace mm. and uh, therefore changing them too quickly and trying to you know, get them to carry across a number of people was quite difficult. So the atmosphere was good on both ends. And it's probably a big thing for them as well. I mean, the league season's petered out and so this is an opportunity for trophy, for Europe. Yeah, I, th- I think that oh, yeah, It's a big thing for both clubs and mm-hmm. Pardew said that if we don't win it, He'd quite like them to win it, so that's quite a nice touch. Mm. Yeah. So, great day at Wembley in that respect. I paid a bit more money for what I thought would be a good ticket. It was shocking, couldn't see a thing. Right behind the goal, row six, in the so-called singing corner, mm. which was loud, but because you're so close to the goal, you actually couldn't see that much. How, how much is it? How much was it? 50 quid for the semi. They go up a bit for the final. Okay. I'm going to get a cheaper one, a better view for next for the final. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, when they come out. But um, nonetheless, no one really, you know, of course you care a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're there. That's what matters. Um, the game itself, well, it was hard for me to make out exactly how it was going in the sense that I didn't have a great view, but I have watched it back since. And um, I would argue that Palace weren't as good as necessarily it's been made out in the media, but we were definitely the better side. We... Definitely benefited from an early goal. Although, don't tell me you can practice that routine 
because it was similar to Pardew's goal in the semi-final. He uh-huh. made out they've been practising it in the week. I don't think you can practise that flick. I don't think it, you can play those sort of margins in that way. Um, but it was fantastic to get that early goal. I do think Pantillamon um, should have done a bit better on some of the goal, with well, the second goal particularly, but maybe the first. Maybe that's a bit harsh. I think Gomez would have at least kept one of those two out and uh, they yeah, stuck loyal he's, he's to He's done Pan- well. He's done well, Pan- Gomez, yeah. Yeah, he's but I think Pantillamon's had the cut runs. They stuck with him. Do you have a feeling, though, that maybe that was part of the deal for him joining from Sunderland? Because that didn't really make much sense for either party, that move. Maybe. Maybe they said, you know... You'll get the cups and we'll stick with you. Yeah. Which is, uh, I think, what happened to him when he was at City. Yeah. But then in the final, they changed back to heart. Um, but we got the early goal, which changed the dynamic of the game. I don't think either team could really get much passing going, if I'm honest. Um, Belassi was a threat, constantly. Personally, everyone's talking about Sahar doing well, but... I don't really, I didn't really see any end product. Again, poor crosses, not knowing when to pass, when to shoot. He made a great run near the end, although I think he was very lucky when he, how he got past the player. And then he just didn't know when to pass, and I'm frustrated by Sahar's end product. But imagine must... how that hasn't improved. I saw him at the England under twenty one game when he was at United, and it was the same thing. It just has not improved. Well, we must be watching something else because everyone else is saying how well he did. How dangerous he is, but personally, I don't see it. Um, Watford never really threatened us. I mean, even their goal was a corner, which should have been probably better defended. Um, so that early goal was vital, but then we were very robust. Yedinak was absolute rock solid again. He's had a great few performances after getting a proper run in the team again. Mm. That's been vital to uh, slight improvement of late. Um, so. Um, you know, it was it was great to see us be able to dig in and be a bit solid, but the quality was quite low from both teams, to be honest. <coughs> Do you fancy yourself against United? I would have said, well, fancy yourself is always difficult against yeah, a team who are higher in the league, yeah, yeah. but they're nothing special, despite what I said about them in the first half, because they were equally um, not great in the second half. So there's no reason we can't beat them until I got the news that I did today. And what was that? The, the referee. Who's the referee? Guess. I, I don't know. Um, Mark. Thattenberg. Yeah. What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Yeah. What's right with him? He's the worst referee in the Premier League, in my opinion. He is all about him. Decisions he gives just because yeah. he wants camera time. Decisions he doesn't give because he wants camera time. He wants it to be but, controversial. But even if that's true, why would that I mean, that's going to affect both teams, surely? Um, his record is... He's managed 10 of our games, I think, in the Premier League. Mm. We've, I think, lost seven, drawn three. And all right, we're not... I was going to say, that's uh, (laughs) surely not down to the referee. Uh, Well, actually, I mean, let's pick out the last one. Mm. I think it was the last one, which was West Ham at home, where he sent off Dwight Gale, which was super harsh. The second yellow was crazy harsh. I've seen him ref games like a week or so later on TV. I think it was Norwich Mm. or someone... And he let so many things go that were worse than what he did that week. Mm. He's so inconsistent. He's just absolutely obsessed with getting camera time. And I genuinely feel that he favours the bigger teams. I really do when I watch him play. Can't stand him. Mm, That could be a problem then. Yeah, but we've got to sort ourselves out. We can't rely on stuff like that. 
Oh. I, for, for me, though, the, the more telling thing is how bad you were against United at Old Trafford a um, couple of weeks. Was it last week we watched it? Yeah, we were. I, I thought you, you, were, you, were, you were terrible. I mean, but does it does it count? Because it was the warm up to a semi final. I mean, we'll, I mean, only we'll see. We'll see if it counts. And I know it was a different side to to a point, but I don't think you can draw parallels between that and what will happen in the final. No, I know, but I just thought it was disappointing that. You you played intimidated as almost as if like United were good, and it concerns me that that mentality will will kind of um, be what Padre thinks. Well, it's true. He's already said after the semi final that our tactics are going to be generally about being playing deep and being very defensive, which I think is a massive over respect to United. Yeah, I mean, if it's done for tactical reasons, fine. I mean, maybe if you're playing Leicester, it makes sense. But against United, I mean... If... Well, they have got that pace up front now with those youngsters we talked about. Yeah, yeah, fine. But I think I think if you're brave, you might... They, they might score one, you might score two. Yeah. As opposed to waiting for the attack and you'll lose one or two nil. I agree. I think when we played Arsenal the other week, we did a similar thing. We gave them way too much respect. Yeah, but Arsenal, course... Arsenal, Arsenal deserve it a bit more, at least. I still deserve it a bit more, at least I think. Yeah, I mean they at least on their day of players that can that can make a difference, and they're they're generally better than United. But they're also well, they particularly are defensively weak, so therefore you want to have a go at them. Yeah, I'm not saying otherwise. I'm not saying they've it's got better, but recently I'm not saying it's just five win either. But I understand it more with Arsenal. Mm. Well, it's going to be uh, quite an occasion. Um, after we got that second goal, we never really looked back. Um, so. It's going to be quite an occasion indeed to go back to Wembley. Uh, unfortunately, you get even less seats for the final, which is a bit annoying. But let's talk about the 1990 thing then. So it's a, it's a, well, it's basically a repeat of 1990, the last time we got to the <coughs> FA Cup final. <coughs> yeah. Um, and Does history play a part? See, I think we were discussing a minute ago about the... Dare I say, bottle job that Palace did against United. That for me is more relevant than history. Although the only thing it might play a part is that Padre is going to be really, really up for it, and that may influence how he sets out his team. That may influence his messages. He's going to be really, really wants to win this. Surely you always want to really win an effort. Yeah, but there's there's really, really wanting to win it, and there's that kind of personal aspect. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Maybe that extra one percent. He's definitely got that. Uh, there's a bit of bad blood between the two clubs as well after the incident with the Crystal Palace fan at service station years ago, which isn't publicised very much. Yeah, I didn't even know about that. No, and quite frankly, no one likes Man United, do they? Let's be honest. Do they? I mean, it's always sad that no one cares about United now, I'd say. You know, these these people never... People just sort of like... Yeah, they're that kind of team that used to be good. But (laughs) they've still got a lot of Glory Hunter fans that are very annoying from a a non-top four... Uh, group mm. as well um, but actually their core away fans are very loud and uh, a bit nasty so uh, there might be some problems there because uh, I think both clubs will like a good old drink uh, yes as well uh, one thing I want to mention as well about the semi-final is how shocking it was first of all I mean it was bad enough for Palace to play uh, in London so only up the road but on the same day as the London Marathon that was pretty crazy from a transport point of view <laughs> Um, but actually, for the United fans and the Everton fans the night before, the last train was almost impossible to catch, especially if there was any extra time. It was absolutely shocking. 
and all the engineering works on weekends as well. It just completely yes, is being played not for the fans anymore. It's for the global fans. Hence, the final will probably yeah. be after five o'clock. It's almost like you're saying both the government, the train companies, and football clubs don't care about the fans and people. That's that's a crazy opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> so that that was pretty terrible, and I hope it doesn't. That, well, I mean, when when it used to be an issue before so when uh, you'd have I don't know Newcastle travelling down to Southampton or something on Boxing Day yeah. it used to make a little bit of news and a little yeah. bit of criticism but now now it doesn't get anything of the sort so uh, hopefully uh, that's not going to be a trend that we see uh, well let's let's briefly talk about Watford in the sense that there's been a lot of talk about um, the manager being under pressure what do you think of that? I'll go back to my my, my, uh, my go-to argument if he's under pressure, then why is Martinez still in the job? <laughs> I mean, I know, I know it's simplistic, but it's it's ridiculous. Why is he under pressure? That they could be in relegation battle. He's done very well. I mean, I know there's been a downward trend, but then this is something behind the scenes. I don't think there is. I mean, the, the, the downward trend is arguably not far worse than Pardew's. No, I'd say not at all. Yeah. Um, well, it is a little bit worse because they they dropped from like eighth and they're currently twelfth, but it's very tight down there. Um, I think, or no, maybe not twelfth around there. And Palace were like fifth and dropped to sixteenth. Yeah. No, but still, no, I don't. I think it, I think it's just crazy. I really um, do. I think it's crazy. And I was listening to the Guardian pod, and they were interestingly were talking about well, to one of the Italian experts about what well, is this something that these owners do? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And apparently not. Apparently. What they usually do is agree to be some sort of a selling club to run for profit reasons to some extent within reason mm. uh, as a as a business. And as long as managers are okay with that remit, then they tend not to like to sack managers. So it seems a bit strange. I don't think they'll be looking for profit off players because the Premier League, the money involved, means that you don't really have to sell in the same yeah, way. Yeah, but may, maybe that's the issue. Maybe the um, Maybe the manager wants to actually expand his team and he's not happy about sending players mm, I think it's supposed to be more coming from from the other side but yeah. um, it'd be interesting he did make a few funny comments about the game itself and everything mm. after the game saying that he was happy with the way they played now they only lost 2-1 but they didn't actually play very well and we're not a very good team no, exactly, we were there yeah. for the taking yeah. um, and I, you know, I'm surprised we scored two goals because though we created a few other chances neither keeper actually had to work <clears> quite hard uh, one thing that, you know, whilst I was going to say that Pardew wished Watford well if they uh, did progress, people seem to have forgotten that, that Watford, as nice as maybe they were as a family club under the uh, ownership of Elwyn John and with the fans that they've got, uh, aren't actually necessarily a few things. First of all, they're not the best supported team, as was the case by quite a few empty seats mm-hmm. in their end, which was a bit disappointing to see. Um, and secondly... The whole ownership structure, you've got to remember how they were manipulating that loan system a few years ago. Oh, and, yeah. Well, even half their players were internationals, yeah. sacked loads and loads yeah, of managers. Yeah, yeah. Between yeah. both clubs, they've been through a lot of managers, but theirs have been a lot more questionable than the Palace decisions and changes that have almost had to happen. Well, they, they were essentially cheating. That, that's yeah. Or the very least, finding a creative loophole. Yeah, well, it's not in the spirit of the game, even no. if it was technically not breaking the rules. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not that. I don't feel that bad about them in that respect. No, no. Although the fans were friendly enough after the game, everyone seemed to get on. So yeah. you know, good luck to them in, in, in that respect from the fans' point yeah. of view. Uh, okay, right. so yeah, the final. There'll be a lot of build up. 
There'll be a lot of talk about the 1990 uh, final, which went to replay, which was very exciting in the first game anyway, with 3 all Ian Wright coming on, half injured, scoring goals. Uh, there'll be a lot of talk of all these things. Pardew's goal in the semi-final, the unfortunate replay. And there's a lot of parallels being drawn with the whole idea of Van Howe under pressure and how Ferguson was under pressure and how he won that trophy and yeah. went on to be great. I mean, there's a few differences. First of all, not that Fergie played a great style for his whole tenure, but there is a style difference and there's also an age difference. And There's also an era difference as well. True, but even Van Howe, he's, by his own admission, I think he only says he's got one more year in his contract. Anyway. That's, I'd be amazed if the teams muster up three shots between them, let alone uh, three three goals from each side so. yeah although I don't see us scoring a lot because United have been very solid at the back and we and we just can't score goals Pete <laughs> Pardew's been blaming it down on injuries but there's a lot more to it than that that's very yeah, selective let's, let's get on you know we can we can talk more about that later with certain players yeah um, so, so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll move on from the semi-final stuff cause, well let's, uh, let's go on to other semi-finals which is Champions League um, yeah we'll come back to that then yeah so uh, Champions League semi-finals we talked about um Champions League semi-finals well first of all Man City have certainly impressed in recent weeks and turned a bit of a corner in some respects don't you think yeah and um, I've mentioned how injuries play a part in any kind of title relegation uh, challenge and certainly uh, De Bruyne's return has coincided with that uplift um, he's great Come he on. is he is oh he's an excellent player um, no doubt about it compare him yeah alright it's not the whole season compare him to Ozil well, let's discuss. Let's discuss that later when we talk about the team of the season and, and awards. Won, yeah. let's, let's, let's discuss that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, and again, this whole sort of thing with Chelsea's wastefulness and big clubs' wastefulness—they just got rid of him, and he's clearly a very talented player. Um, but yeah, I mean, what did you think of City's performance against Real Madrid? It was pretty boring game from a neutral's point of view, and that was largely Real Madrid's tactics. They played very within themselves without Ronaldo. Um, committed, but not what you would associate with Zidane or Real Madrid. Uh, it was quite frustrating from a Man City point yeah. of view, and they couldn't break him down. I, I think I think it's really sad that they have all these really good players, but Ronaldo's out as they have to go in their shell. I've always said that Ronaldo, to a point, is probably a detriment to that team. And I was really looking for a Bale, Benzema and someone to really... Um, sort of grasp the metal and, and they didn't and it might have been just the tactics to be fair but yeah I mean you can say it's disappointing but at the end of the day nil nil is not a bad result for them no and I think all clubs have to be able to do that here and there yeah but I used to get annoyed when like uh, Jose would do it way too often with all the money spent if they're only doing it here and there especially if one of their star players is injured I agree they shouldn't rely just on <laughs> one then it's a bit more understandable um, and we'll see if it works for the second leg. But Ronaldo, apparently, is a touch and go for the second leg as well. So that might have an impact there. Mm. But at least City were also fairly solid. I mean, actually, Hart did make one or two top-class saves. But they certainly didn't look the defensive shambles that they were earlier in the season. Real Madrid did create some decent chances in the second half. But it was definitely better Madrid than are, Madrid are always going to a point. You know, they're, they're a great side. Mm. Um so, uh, yeah, that's one of the semis. Do you want to say anything more about the semis? Uh, no, I just think it'd be interesting if City got Bayern Munich in the final. Surely that's a conflict of interest for Guardiola. Yeah, that'd be very strange. That, yeah. I don't know if we've seen something like that before, but that would be very interesting. And it could really happen. Who do you fancy for the second leg then? I think, I think 
Do you know, I'm actually going to say that Man City will win it. I think it's kind of destined to be. Do you know one of those things where like the manager's going to get sacked, but he actually gets City to the final? It's gonna. I think it's going to be one of those things. I think City will get maybe a 2-2 draw. Uh, I think. Uh, I agree. I think it could be a score draw. Mm. But it could go either way, of course. It's a tight one. Okay, so the upper semi-final, um, it was 1-0 against Bayern Munich to Atletico Madrid. What a fantastic, not massive scoreline, but a very good result. And a manager who is starting to maybe get the credit that he deserves from a from a performances I, yeah, results I, point of view. I always thought Simone got credit though. I didn't think he was one of those that didn't. But if he got that much credit, he would have been prized away by now. Yeah, but maybe there's reasons why he hasn't been. Like what? Well, I mean, I don't know. Loyalty? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, loyalty. That's, that's what I'm saying. He, it might be that he personally doesn't want to move from Atletico Madrid. I mean, and, and then, you know, I'm not saying otherwise that he might not be getting the credit from the big clubs, but I'd say in terms of media, in terms of fans, he's well known. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is I think he has done an exceptional job to do what he did a few years ago was one thing, and that was a hell of a thing. Yeah. But then to have your players plucked and lose a good few of those players and then still come back not long after and still compete and be very respectful or more than respectful be pushing for the league again be pushing for the Champions League it's a real credit with you know spending but nowhere near the budget that other clubs have in Spain the TV money is massively distorted it deserves great credit now the only thing I would say though is he is a bit of a Mourinho in terms of it's a very negative style, negatives harsh, it's very defensive-minded, deep, possession at home to Bayern Munich, all right, it's Bayern Munich, but still, really, I think that's, I think I'd still expect a team who aren't something like Zenit St. Petersburg to get more possession at home in the Champions League. Yeah, but they won. That's the thing, I I, I mean, I, I, I get that, but that's the way to play against Bayern Munich. But that's the way they play against almost everyone. Yeah, okay. They don't. Re- they rarely get more than fifty. I don't say otherwise, but uh, the distinction I want to make between that and the Mourinho team is that Atletico tend to be the underdogs in a lot of games, where Mourinho team tends to have the best team. No, I agree. Yeah, when that's, that's when Mourinho did it at Porto, it was justifiable in Europe. Mm. But I do. Th- I get the impression from some of the things I've been following that it's it's not that amazingly attacking when they play smaller teams in uh, in La Liga. I don't think they've beaten teams by huge margins recently no but they haven't got the players to do that I mean that they, they, they I mean and that's partly down to the transfer policy but they, they have players that fit a certain system and that's what they do well and he's he's done well with players like Torres I mean he always scored a cracking goal the other night yeah, yeah. and a player who I had no faith in at all of ever being able to seriously make any sort of impact in a game at this level anymore and he is to be fair to him yeah definitely he's, he's playing He's playing a way that suits Torres' strengths, and we'll talk about um, that later on in certain plays. Uh, well, the second leg's finally poised. Again, a tough one. Now, I think most teams going to that ground are thinking, wow, we're going to have an onslaught. There's going to be goals against us. But if there's one team that can keep a clean sheet there, it's probably them. I mean, I, was it Porto Benfica? Sorry, Benfica yeah. did quite well at that in the last yeah, round. I also want to make a point about Bayern, because I think they, I think Guardiola teams, and particularly at Bayern, have a very soft spine. And if he tries to do exactly the same thing at the Premiership, i.e. having two ball-playing defenders and having an Alonso-type defensive midfielder, he will not do that well in the Premiership. Well, it'll be they a, are a soft spine. They it, always have been. It, not that the ball players are such, but it'll be a bit similar to the, the most of the spine at what's been happening at Man City for most of the season this a year. Bit to a point, company. yeah, that's that's true. But City, they've got. I mean, Alonso, you can run at, and the centre backs can't necessarily defend particularly well. But 
there's just when teams play against them, there's so much space in that midfield between the defence and the midfield. There was also a lot of Arsenal style ticky tacky passing yeah. for the sake of it. Whilst I'm slightly being derisory about the possession that Atletico had, I'm not an advocate of possession for possession's sake. Absolutely. I'm definitely a fan of direct football, but it's just solo that it was a little bit. The yeah, other I, side. I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. But you know, fair play the resources and so on. So. I think that one could go Atletico. We could have an Atletico Madrid Man City final. Yeah, bring it on. It could do. You wouldn't have necessarily gone for that no, at the exactly. beginning of the season. Well, so, speaking um, of things you wouldn't have gone for at the beginning of the season, let's move on to Leicester being close. Yeah, and listen to the Guardian pod today. And they were going through things that were more likely <laughs> by the bookies to happen at the beginning of the year than Leicester win the league. And there was crazy stuff like Simon Cowby, President, Prime Minister, <laughs> sorry, uh, all sorts of crazy stuff that were going on. And it really put into perspective what's happened here because it truly is fantastic. Now, they have been a breath of fresh air. But one thing I just do want to say, whilst they're a breath of fresh air and whilst the team that gets the most points deserve the league, in terms of pure football and many other things, could you argue that... Tottenham are actually the best team in the league. No, I'm going to counter that quite strongly. I I think Spurs are getting too much credit. I I think it's a slight bottle job on their part. They 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 could be challenging for Spurs uh, for Leicester, but they haven't been. They've had a few a few results here and there, and it could easily be portrayed as a bit of a bottle job. Um, I think that's harsh. I think the no, results. No, I, that... I, I'm not saying I would say it's harsh for me to call that, but I also think it's going too far the other way. But I think the results that they had, and I watched all of these games. They didn't. It didn't feel like they had bottle jobs. They were just playing against some teams that played pretty well, like the likes of I think Liverpool along the run, and were actually playing pretty well in those games. And against West Brom, mm. it it was so unlucky in that first half. They hit the woodwork a few times. They were all over them. But the second half, the second half is it, West Brom came back into. Yeah, it I mean, I, I I get that, and then maybe but it's that's the, the first and, game. And, and, I thought, and it's also maybe the way things goes. I mean, I see some of Leicester's goals, and you kind of get a deflection here or there. You know, it might just be luck of the draw. Things are going for Leicester, Spurs aren't. But I, why I'm saying this because I think I'm, I feel Spurs are just getting a bit too much credit at the moment. Like, right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna context this. We've said Pochettino's done a great job. I will maintain that he's done great. But for me, it's not so much the league position; it's the style of football. And it's the fact it's bringing through youth. Any other season, the Spurs would be about fourth with their league position, which is probably about where they should be. But they never get, well, they've only once scraped that fourth spot. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it deserves to be considered a good job. But to kind of be like, it's almost being talked about as if it's almost as good as Leicester. It's not. It's not even as good as Liverpool. Um, no, I'll agree. Back. In terms of the squads, of course, it's nowhere yeah. near as good as what Leicester have done. That's the thing. I, I, feel, I, feel it, I feel it's getting there. I feel it's almost no, like... For me, the, it's a very good achievement, but if, it, if they were sitting where they are with the other teams doing weak, playing negative football, not playing youngsters, yeah. I wouldn't give it that much No, credit. no, I agree. So I agree. That, but that's, that's what I'm saying. For that. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I'm agreeing with that. That's what I'm saying. But for me, the credit should be more down to that. And the league position to a point, but it shouldn't be made... Because uh, it's almost one of those things. It's like when people said... McAlevey's underrated but then because he kept people kept saying he was underrated he became overrated and I feel it's getting that way now it's like oh everyone's forgot about Spurs they're underrated they're doing this this and that so now it's kind of being made out as if it's a really great achievement for me it's a good no, achievement I, I can see what you mean it does get it does get like that with yeah. certain players as well and exactly that's why I, I'm yeah I get your point about the concerts for the West Brom and Liverpool games I get that and I agree with that but in a different media narrative that would be considered a bottle job and that's regardless of the context you provided. So I'm saying there is that little bit of slight bias and okay. slight overhype. 
Um, something I want to briefly bring back, and sorry to go back on a topic here, is Martinez has come out today and said, don't judge me on three months, judge me on three years. Well, Give me one more year, yeah. and then judge me. Well, then... Um, can, I want to start this one. You can, yeah. Decent first impact at the club, mm. but, you know, to be fair, but two terrible seasons mm. in the league in a row now. Terrible. He makes the point they got to two semi-finals. Yes, fair enough. But with the squad and depth that they've got, it shouldn't detract from the league this much in a league well, if that's been a, this if open. If he's a good cup manager, go and manage an international team. Maybe that's his strength. He says, oh, I want to win trophies. I'm trying to win those leagues. But you're not. And with the depth of your squad, you should still be better in the league. And if you said, well, one of the seasons it impacted more than the others... Well, it's, it's both seasons they've finished low in the league, and I'm not even sure they had a big cut run last year as well. To justify no, it. no, I, I mean this is this is what I've always said about him. He finished 11th last year. It outstanded me. Below Palace. It outstanded me that it was still considered he was doing a good job, but then someone like Rogers was a bad job. It outstanded me because I think they both did equivalently bad, if anything. I'm not sure that's a word again, but before. Um, well, and also wake up to the modern world. No one gets three years, really? and if you. You don't get three years without it being judged along the way. So what? I could go into a club and get relegated for two, three years in a row and then be like, well, now you can judge me as bad. It doesn't work that way. You've got to show enough promise in the three years. And what annoys me is that he has had, in my opinion, the most ridiculous free ride out of any manager in history in the Premiership. Really, really has. It's incredible how much of a free ride he has had. From the media, but not necessarily the Everton fans. They've really? certainly... I know, oh they've been turning on him not just recently, okay. but they've been unsure for longer. No, no, fair enough. I mean, I, I get that. That's, that, that, that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, it really is. And especially the Wigan thing. He has literally had one good season in six years. And that was, the, that was Everton's first season. Wigan, he should never have got that Everton's job. Right. And as we say, if he would have just done half decent... If they finished eighth, he might be in line for a job like at Arsenal. Yeah, if, they, if they'd finished last year 8th, and then even this year they'd finished 8th. i say half decent, not even good, half decent. He would, yeah, he would. He probably would be. Uh, he would probably be making noise. It's just, I, I you know, I want to come back in a in future life as Roberto Martinez, because, or De Gea, one of the well, two, because I wouldn't be able to do anything. There's talk Mark Hughes might be in line for that job. Is that really a massive step up anymore? Uh, yeah, I think it still is. Really? Yeah. A few years ago, I remember if, Everton being if, relegation If they for don't that. sell all their players. Well, that's a big if, yeah. and that's part of the and got thing against sense. Martinez is that you say three years, well, you're not going to be having these great young players at the end of the but three see, years. Ma- Martinez has basically ruined Everton. And, and, and the reason I say that is because under a half-decent manager, they, they, they'd be challenging for Champions League spots this year. That means the likes of Lukaku... Lukaku. I know, and and so on, would probably be inclined to stay. Barkley. Barkley, etc. Now, they're going to have to sell players because they're, they're, they're mid-table mediocrity side. And that's Not financially, but just the yeah, players might want to go. That's the thing. So they've missed that huge opportunity and that's down. That's solely down to him. He has ruined that club. And it is two years in a row. That's what you want to say. Yeah. Um, okay, I mean, I think personally Hughes deserves a slightly bigger chance. However, the last few weeks, Stoke have capitulated. They really have. Yeah, they're on they're the on, beach. They're on the beach. Well, that's right. not good enough. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying otherwise. And again, they, I mean, they did spend big on that centre midfielder. I mean, we're not going to sort of... He's look good. Yeah, yes, but we're not going to sort of sit here and go because we feel English managers don't, British managers don't get a chance. We're going to then overrate certain... You know, we're going to be critical one way or another. And... Hughes has let it slip, and we're not going to make excuses for that. Well, talking of uh, Stoke, uh, when Man City thumped them the other day, 
Pellegrini uh, started, um, I forgot his name now, up front. Ineacho. Ineacho, yeah, Um And he was very impressive again. And then after the game, Pellegrini got quite a lot of praise for how he's given youth a chance there. Now, I'm a Pellegrini fan, personally, overall, despite some weaknesses there, for sure. But having, I know a Man City fan and... There is no way that he has given youth a proper chance. He shouldn't. No, this is where I think we had discussion on on, on Messenger, and and I'm going to count that slate because I agree with all of that. But I feel he should get a bit of credit for Iniacho, just because, and not just because. A top side never gives a striker much of a run. I know United have done with Rashford, but Rashford is still injuries. Yeah. Yeah, there's injuries. There's also the fact Rashford is still early days. Ineach has been around in the first team for the whole season. Not played every game, but then you uh, wouldn't. Okay, now, Boney, who I'm Bonnie, Boney, whatever you want to call him, who I'm a big fan of and love to sit at Palace, mm. has actually been pretty shocking for quite a few months now at City, but he's been given chance after chance, and it's only really now that Ineach has yeah, been Yeah, but how's Pellegrini different to any other manager that does that? I mean, you know, we mentioned Wickham at Palace. We mentioned... No, that doesn't Torres make at, it right. Yeah. I'm just that saying it should be time. praised. That happens all the time. But I'm saying... I'm not even saying it should be praised. I'm saying some credit is deserved because there's such a low bar, such a low bar, the fact that he's... At, like, even playing Ineach ahead of mm. Bonnie recently... I'm not going to... I'm not going to agree here because... He could whilst... easily be... He could easily be persevering with Bonnie he could easily be right, doing that but look how he's persevering with Dima Kellis yeah, that's when why he's got I great young I, I'm players not, out I, no I agree I, I'm not saying I've agreed with every single one of your points about the fact he doesn't give you a chance I'm saying for that particular player a lot of other managers would still not be playing him and that's why he deserves a minor bit of credit for that player I do really like the look of him to be fair yeah but that wouldn't matter that, that, that would, that yeah. would not, not matter okay alright well um, from um, Martinez earlier one Scouse club onto another. Big news. Big news with the Hillsborough case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be very controversial right now. I do it. not know the ins and outs of the facts of the case. So that's a shocking starting point. Yeah. However, whilst it looks like the police have acted terribly morally after the event and lied about the event and even during the event have acted very badly, I still can't get my head around the fact that a hell of a lot of people turned up to a ground without a ticket. Were they told it was already sold out? Because if they didn't, by turning up and forcing your way in, and maybe this is the bit where I don't know the facts, but I believe certain fans were climbing in, etc., to a ground that you don't have a ticket is going to lead to some problems. Yeah, but you're, it's a crowd mentality. If you're the fan, all you want to do is go to the game. You're not, you're not, you're going to be, you're not going to be under the impression that it's going to be too crowded. This is where the authorities, and I'm not even necessarily, necessarily saying the police, I'm saying the crowd control, I'm saying the ticketed people, I'm saying the club need, have has certain responsibility to give the fans a safe environment. I still think that there's not the people that have tickets, the people that are getting in and climbing in without tickets are somewhat but they, but they have shouldn't have been allowed to do that in the first place. this is what I mean it should, have, it should have been stopped by the first place but that's like saying you know because I left my car door open it was okay for people to jump no, in no I, I, get, I get that I get that I suppose the point I'm making is that say no pun in the scouts I suppose the point I'm making is that if you're a fan and you're going to do that and you're going to climb over if you're arrested for that you should 
absolutely accept the consequences of that. I've got no problem, but you should not expect to be like in a situation where your life is at risk. There should well, be better barriers. Of course barriers. not, and I have all respect for the lives of those that have been lost mm. and the families that have suffered for all the years of not even having the truth. Um, but we'll move on quickly because we're more interested in the football on the pitch, uh, etc. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Newcastle revival is there a revival it's all over everywhere saying there's a revival I'm, Alan Pardew did a press conference yeah, for playing know, Newcastle know, I mean, they're, they're, they're good at the moment they're on it at the moment yeah absolutely I mean tell, tell me tell me the facts Portelli. well do you know it is a, a revival is amazing I mean they have won one game out of seven I mean that, that, is, that is incredible um, speaking of winning one game um, as a manager um, Alan Shearer's record uh, as Newcastle manager which was generally considered Rightly so, as a terrible, terrible failure. Eight games. One win, two draws, five losses. Rafa Benitez. Come in at similar circumstances, similar time. Better players. Yeah, but I think we shouldn't forget Newcastle had a very good side as well. But I would say Newcastle Newcastle now relative is probably still better. But let's be fair and say it's roughly equivalent. So Rafa Benitez, seven games. One win, three draws, three losses. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah, um, that was a very interesting when you put that my way this week. And um, whilst I've tried not to listen to the media and I've tried to watch games with my own eyes, um, I have seen an improvement in Newcastle. Yeah, for sure. But they couldn't but, do worse. McCarran was really, really bad. Anyone could yeah. have taken over, and apart from John Carver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the um, over-the-top aspect of it is crazy, and there still have been poor halves along the way, and they still haven't got as many points as the praise would suggest, um, considering the players. And I'd also say that if it was not a Rafa Benitez, if it was an unpopular person, if it was a John Carver, then everyone would be saying, well... That's just the impact was, of yeah, a new manager, short-term abso- impact. Absolutely. And that, actually, here's the thing. If Steve McLaren was still in charge and had that same run and same performance, would he be considered good? No, but I think that's more because of the spell that you had before. True, uh, true. And also, but also, under McLaren, they had their good games as well. I mean, they beat Spurs 2-1, for example. They, they had their good halves on and off. That's the thing. That they, I, genuinely, I generally didn't think, of the games I watched, that they were particularly a poor side at the McLaren. They just had glaring deficiencies. There were some really poor performances where absolutely no effort. No, fair enough. But because I'm watching, I'm watching the games on TV, that's tend to be when the when the players performed um, a lot. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Um, so, for me, despite the fact that I think that Palace are giving Newcastle too much praise, and I mean Pardew still says some strange things. In the interviews, I'm still not a massive fan of Pardew, but anyway. Um, That's not saying from, I don't rate Martinez as a manager. Yeah, <laughs> but part, um, I, I still fancy, although I fancy Newcastle to get points this weekend against Palace, I still fancy Sunderland to stay up. Yeah, I mean, I Newcastle Norwich have some today. easy games though, don't they? they, they I mean, they, they, you know, they've got, I mean, easy games is a harsh thing, but you want to play Palace, you want to play Villa, I think. True. Uh, especially... You know, in the circumstances as well. I, I actually want uh, to. With Newcastle, it's just a strange one with, with the whole with the whole um, Benitez hype because it's one of those that if he keeps them up, would it be such an amazing job? If, if he does, or is he going to get really, really overhyped as if he's done this amazing job? He'll get massively overhyped. Yeah. 
He really will. I mean, it's already happening. And yeah. I was thinking that actually. I was thinking of the Newcastle Liverpool game. It's like who's going to be criticised because it's like the two in managers playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it kind of worked out that way. It was a like it was considered a great draw rather than like Liverpool dropping points against a poor side. You yeah, know? that would have been a different narrative if Rodgers was the boss. And if it was Rodgers against um, goal lead. I don't know, like McLaren, it would have been. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, uh, moving on to uh, a small topic that might have escaped a lot of people's attention. But West Ham have been stealing some youth players. They stole a really highly rated player from Valencia, mm. um, who's moved over and said that he could have played for bigger clubs, but I think he wanted to. He's been told that he'll get a better path to first team at West Ham. Not sure if there's actually a trend of that happening, to be fair, at West Ham recently. Um, but they've also been linked with stealing, I think it's Solanke from Chelsea, yeah, yeah. who doesn't obviously get a look in. And apparently, according to the papers, a player who doesn't get a look in wants 50 grand to stay a week, which is probably what the likes of Loftus-Cheek were on even before he's really started playing. Yeah. Uh, crazy money, crazy system at Chelsea, but there's are they're saying are people seeing through it? Uh, if they are, I'm not sure West Ham, especially with the Olympic Stadium and the pressure to fill it and maybe put certain names on the pitch, are necessarily the way forward. Not that Palace are in this I was case. Say, who would you go to? That that would be the question. Everton have given a few runs to youngsters, even though they've taken them out. But the, the, but the thing, the thing with the thing with clubs like that, though, it's a risk because I mean. Martinez could easily go and one thing he's semi-okay at is to actually is give the youngsters a chance so if he goes then someone else might come in go Tottenham again what if, what if Pochettino goes that's a good point yeah, yeah. That's, that's I mean one. where would he go though in the UK he's been linked with Man United I would apart from the stadium thing with Tottenham maybe impacting spending I would genuinely stay right now at Tottenham over United I know, you know United are big but uh, right now I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to come at this different view so, uh, Pochettino's done well. We all like him. Great. And so did Rodgers. And when Rodgers, when Liverpool almost won the league, Rodgers probably could have got a better job. And now he's probably going back to Swansea. As a manager, you've got to leave when the stock is higher. If they, should, if they don't do as well next year, if all the big clubs start doing better and they get a few injuries, if Kane is injured and they haven't replaced him and are they suspended for like hitting someone or something, then, 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 then yeah, then, then, impossible. Then, then, yeah, yeah, I know, no, crazy. Then they could finish sixth or seventh. And then, like with Rodgers, although Pochettino may get a bit more grace because of his name, that will be forgotten about. So fair point, like mm. you say, yeah, with the Rodgers thing as well. Yeah. Um, okay, interesting point. Um, Sacco, druggy or not? So well, it explain, explains a lot. I mean, but uh, LSD well, may be winning for those. Yeah, it's, just, it's apparently it's just a fat replacement type. But or, didn't they? Didn't, isn't he just using Torres' excuse? Maybe I don't know. But he's been initially suspended now, or not? He wasn't at the beginning. He was just looking into it, yeah. and he, they left him out for that reason. Yeah. Uh, but he's been initially suspended for thirty days while they effectively look into it. But it's expected, despite yeah, he hasn't that headline. Has he? yeah. No, but it's expected that it will be extended to similar length to Turo. Yeah, so that well, could be a year. He's found the test. Yeah, I mean, there's no. But it, it, I mean, it depends on what the drug was and yeah. was it really something that was in any way performance enhancing. He's played slightly it, better for a few games. Oh, maybe that was it. Yeah, yeah. maybe it wasn't the Klopp's credit. Maybe it was the drugs. Yeah, no, they, they, they won't be. That will never be the narrative. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I've, I personally am surprised that. Um, 
Skirtle doesn't get a go. I mean, tonight they started in the Europa League. Toure over Skirtle. Skirtle on the bench. I've, I've always thought Toure's played quite well for Liverpool when he's yeah, played. Yeah, but I also think Sacco's okay. Uh, sorry, Skirtle's okay. He's a bit of a mess, though, I think, Sacco. He's, he's one of those where... I remember hearing something from a Liverpool fan that said like they prefer Lovren as a defender, and this was even under Rodgers, because Lovren generally would be a better defender, but just make the odd howler here and there. Whereas, whereas Skirtle is kind of just generally not very good. He won't make anything completely bad, but there'll be plenty where you think, oh, he could have done better. And I, I get that impression with him, to be honest. But if they start conceding, it won't be Klopp's fault. It'll be the Sacco incident. Not that they've got you know two decent, experienced players there on the bench. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, before we go on to team of the season, I've got a couple quicker topics mm. to get them out of the way first. So. Um, Ched Evans, this has happened a few weeks ago now. Uh, so Ched Evans, obviously, we know, convicted of rape, always denied it, went to prison, did his time, uh, whether you think that was long enough or not, still contested his innocence after his release, and will now get a retrial. There has been some sort of new evidence, and has now got a chance to clear his name. Um, probably won't allow him... I don't think he'll get a league club anyway, even if he does clear his name, fitness-wise, out of the game. Never know, maybe a desperate club. Although, I'm going to digress here about fitness, but if you heard Petrov might be coming back to Villa, that's yeah. going to be a fitness thing. That's going to be a struggle for fitness, surely. Oh, so you know he's been playing like Sunday league and not even impressing. It's a crazy story. So some people may have said, obviously, before he got ill, that was his level, because he wasn't particularly rated. Uh, oh, he's, a bit harsh. he's one of those, actually, that got converted to defensive midfielder. Let's talk about that later. Oh, yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we, I hope the guy comes back and can play competitively, oh, but like yeah. it's not going to be at a high level unless it's on so a going, token effort. So he's going age. to be there. Well, but still, even that, <laughs> even that level. Yeah. But anyway, age. we've digressed. So yeah, talk to him uh, about so, Evans. Yeah. Yes, Chad Evans um, has a chance to clear his name. Uh, I mean, I find it very interesting that um, fans automatically wanted to believe that he did do it. Now, it's not hundred well, percent clear. That's because he was proving guilty before he did it. Before he was even proven guilty, the, oh, there was this kind of incident. atmosphere. I was like, how did no, that no. even... Yeah. There was this atmosphere of, he's a footballer, therefore he must have done yeah, it. Yeah, no, 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 no. Do you know what the atmosphere was? It's because he was a footballer, but a footballer not good enough to to care about. So it's like, oh, we've got an opportunity to be morally outraged. And, and I'm going to make this point. If, Lewis, if it was Kane if, or... Yeah, exactly. If, if, if someone was light and had a reputation, if, if you know, Messi, Kane, whoever had done that, it'd be the opposite. It would be like, oh, we couldn't have possibly done it. It'd be a huge thing. Mm. Even someone like Suarez, Suarez, who isn't universally, you know, isn't particularly nice, but look at the stuff he's got away with, which obviously isn't to the same level, but if a lower league player had done what he'd done, it'd be an opportunity to kind of pick on and go, oh, yeah, you know, we can be morally outraged now. Well, regardless of... Well, not regardless of guilt, but do you think even before his now chance at clearing his name, uh, it was right for clubs not to give him a chance? Or do you think you've done your time, get back to I'm, work? I'm fine with it if it's consistent. So basically, if if you believe that footballers have a moral obligation and because of what he's done, he shouldn't play a competitive level because it gives the wrong message, I'm fine with that. But don't change your mind if it's... if it. But don't don't kind of make him an example because he's kind of not particularly good in the scheme of things so you can kind of pick on him do the same if it had, if Ronaldo had done it do the same if Messi had done it but I don't think I don't think it would be the case that's a fair point mm. um, I've got mixed feelings about it but I do think that the levels of money and that privilege 
that they earn, mm. that there is a justifiable point that, yes, if it's consistent, then there maybe should be a rule of those sorts. Not that I think that footballers necessarily should be held up as role models, but it is a bit different when it gets to sort of that level, I have to say. Uh, OK, let's move on. Um, Jody and Lescott got in a bit of bother. It's going back a couple of weeks now about some of his comments, and I know that you had a bit of sympathy for him. I, uh, I did and I didn't. Basically, he came out and was saying after the game that Aston Villa got relegated, what a relief it was to finally have that in the bag. Yeah, but so when, you say, no, when you say it like that, without everything else, that sounds awful, but it wasn't that. This is what I'm saying. There was a lot more to it than that. And all he said, he was saying how it was really bad they got relegated, how the players had let them down. And then he said, in some ways it's a relief because then that's happened. We can we can actually play with a bit of freedom. I'm not saying that was right to say that, but I'm saying the, saying the way I've said it is a lot better how you've said it. And that's... I agree that, that it was there. reported out of context, but yeah. I still don't think it was a in any way good thing to say no, for someone who's not tried enough yeah. on or off the pitch. Um, but also, um, considering how many people are going to be losing their job at that club. Yeah. Normal people yeah. is in terms of people that can't afford to like they can. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, okay, so um, before we have a little uh, break, interlude, let's talk, which will be quite a big topic, uh, team of the season. In fact, I think we need to have a little break first, to be honest, because I think this one could go on for a little bit. We don't know. <laughs> we'll right. see before so we get the main topic. And we're back. Hello. Um, so let's talk, uh, pick up from the topic where we were before. Um, before we pick up the topic where we were before, team of the season, I just actually have to bring up Gutierrez. We, yeah. last pod, we talked about Gutierrez, and in the interests of not just saying our opinions and then if we're proven wrong, not ever looking back at them, I think it's fair that we bring him up again because we said. There's no chance we could see that he was going to win, really, his case against Newcastle for disability discrimination. He did win. He did, yeah. Interestingly, Alan Pardew was a witness. I like what they said about him. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> they said that he spoke very well and eloquently, effectively. effectively. <laughs> um, but the actual content of what he said was very questionable as a witness, which is pretty much something up Alan Pardew. Yeah, it really is. Do you know, though, so my, my thing with that, yeah, is, yeah, I mean, we don't know the facts. We even said that at the time, we don't. We're just judging on face value. But do you think if the jurors knew about football a bit more? And I, I don't know, because I... Not I jurors, it's an employment tribunal. Well, it's two, lay, well, two industry lay slash people. Well, but there, there we go. That's the thing, because then I, I kind of... I'm not. I'm not a fan of like that kind of stuff in general being a factor in decisions. But I'm thinking, based based something in his football career didn't seem a big thing. No, and I, I stick by what we said actually yeah. because, well, maybe the, maybe the only reason we're wrong is because maybe we don't know how much the Newcastle fans did really rate before. That, the that's what I'm saying. I think that's right. But if it wasn't, if they didn't really, then I think. That there might be. But I think they raised there. him because he was a trier. That's the thing. He he was a trier. I think that was the reason, not because of ability. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Whilst I'm bringing it up. And do you think as fair, well, right? And we're not, sticking and, uh, by our guns. Yeah, and I also want to make the point, Newcastle fans, because they dislike Ashley, they dislike Pardew, they dislike the ownership. They're kind of naturally gonna be biased. Well, the fans don't want to pay millions out to this guy. I'm sure. Why, why do the fans care about what the club plays? 
Because it does affect the club if money's being taken out. Of the yeah, club. but they waste money with the time on players. I don't think it matters too much. It's well, I was happy issue. when Palace beat Pulis for a few million. Did you not hear about yeah, that? Yeah, but that's because yeah, yeah, I did hear about it. But that's because you 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 agreed with 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 Pulis, but not you didn't agree, you agreed no, with no, Palace. No, no, I thought that's a nice little bit of transfer towards the yeah. transfer budget as much as well, anything spend, else. You can spend on Wickham. You know. <laughs> 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 he did score the winning goal in the FA Cup semi-final, which we didn't really mention him enough. I think the keeper should have had it. But, <laughs> no, you didn't uh, mention I still don't think he was fair. that good either, to be well, honest, scored, despite you know, the praise. Uh, take, take, us, take the small wins. His record yeah. starting to look better, although it's not spread across games. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway, that's... Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk, before we talk about the main item... Let's talk about effectively. It is a main item, really. Because I think we can link it to the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, team of the season has has come out, and player of the season awards have been starting to give been mm. given. I was quite happy with the Mares decision in, in, in getting. Yeah, that. and I, I I actually want to talk player of the season actually for past years because Mares won it with pretty much double figures in goals and assists. Hazard's considered this world class player, yet for me he's only had one really good season, and that was last year. And even then, his stats weren't overly great for an actual winner of there and I, I almost think Sanchez was probably the better player last year but Sanchez was more fits and spurts while Hazard was more consistent eight while Sanchez was say a 10 sometimes a six other games and I don't know I, I just feel like Hazard's kind of it was it was not quite a Scott Parker win but it wasn't wasn't a million miles off and I kind of feel Scott that Scott Parker never won it I thought he did didn't he no I don't think so Double check that I thought he did. Um, but anyway, but one he, that I couldn't stand that yeah. was one, which is why I, I'm happy that Mahrez has got it. But yeah. I don't give that much respect to this trophy. Yeah. Is that when Ryan Giggs got it a few years ago at the age of about 37? Oh, that was bad. Yeah, it was like well, no one else has been truly exceptional. But this is what I feel but about. You've had he only played like 20 games or something. Yeah, yeah, no. But this is what I feel. I mean, it wasn't as bad, but Hazard doing it, and yet. I know. I mean, I'm digressing here, but I just want to make a point about height because Hazard's. Would st- is still considered really good, but I still think there's a bit of jury out on the Mares. I don't know if there is on him. There is on maybe some of the maybe others. Maybe Vardy or possibly, yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, and I just want to make make that point that Mares is a well-deserved winner based on stats, and he's done better than other winners who are supposedly meant to be better or great mm. players. In this. Well, let's look at some of the 11 in the uh, team of the season, most of which can't be argued with. No, I, I, I was completely agree. Um, but there's a couple, but the main one we want to talk about is the we could probably get we, you can probably guess yeah the default De Gea is as I want to call which is just your typical well I can't think of any keeper or someone in this position that's been that truly exceptional so he's been okay therefore we'll put him in but actually no people think that he's been more than okay which I disagree with first of all let's talk Casper Schmeichel right it's the okay, case they play defensive in some in the second half of the season, not in the first half of the season. And they can see they can see some mm-hmm. goals the first half. Exactly, United plays super deep. Yet he doesn't therefore have to make too many saves in a game. And, it's when, easier. You, and when he does, it's like shot straight in, ah, oh, dive and knock it over. This is it. We are not saying he is not a truly talented keeper. He is arguably the most talented keeper in the Premier League. That doesn't mean he's had the best season. If that was the case, then let's just put. Hazard potentially yeah, in the yeah, team this exactly, season because yeah. it's it's not who's the best so natural ability. The best. That's what I'm saying. They're not even there for that reason, and it's because well, of the hype. It's like they're watching. You know, you're watching a game, or you're not even watching a game. But you hear on the radio, De Gea has been brilliant. Okay, it gets in our minds. He's been brilliant again. Use your you own brain. Time. Yeah, but use yeah, your own brain because you can't because you can't watch every game. 
I, I watch a lot of them. Yeah. I haven't got much of a life. No, no, fine. But yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's, diff- it's difficult. But even watch the highlights with your own brain. I don't, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna Put s- highlights yeah. on mute. That's exactly, and then watch that. But even though it's too ingrained. I mean, we've seen like any time he makes a save, it's considered great, regardless of the context of the save. But you know, I, I'm gonna make a slightly slightly left field point here, and it's about Petr Cech. Because I, I was, when, when we used to watch football when he was at Chelsea, I always thought he was a bit De Gea-esque. Not to the same level, but I always thought he was a bit overhyped. Well, I know, I know, I know, exactly. And I know I will stand by that. But this year he's been actually quite good. But when he does make a mistake, he's actually pointed out, he's actually treated normally, like the goal that Paddy scored against him. That's yeah, the kind of thing. Done better. Yeah, but, but regardless, the, if De Gea does that, that would even be mentioned. If they, I mean, De Gea's letting far worse goals than that, at least, at least 10 or so worse than that, and that's not been mentioned. So it's almost like... So it's almost like now... It's strange how Czech has actually almost... Maybe because he plays for Arsenal, maybe because he's not fashionable anymore, he's almost slightly underrated, which is strange, or at least judged on the standards he should be. Because this year, Czech and Butland, Schmeichel you've mentioned... Oh, I'm forgetting Butland. Butland has got to be. Yeah. I know he's had injury the last few weeks, but yeah. he he. I know, he, and he is getting hyped. But I think for good reason because he has made. Exceptional and if someone's going to get hyped, that a young English goalkeeper get hyped. Yeah, a goalkeeper be. who didn't look like he was going to get his chance at Stoke. No, and we, we've discussed how lucky that was, you know, in terms of that. But yeah, there, there's three goalkeepers off the top of my head. Um, I'd say Heredia Gomez, arguably. Played. Yeah, yeah well, he's I mean, made why, some mistakes as he does. So so does De Gea. That's it. Well, why, why why is uh, why would why would why, what has Gomez done worse than De Gea this year? And he's got a deep, more solid defence ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, they both exaggerate. They're both excellent shot stoppers and exaggerate shots. They're both a bit error-prone. They're both not exactly the best in the air. But he's not fashionable. He's not, he's not fashionable. Um, yeah, so there, there's another one. Um, that's the thing. It's just... It's, yeah, I mean, I, I despair. It's, I really do. So do I, but yeah. we seem to be few, a couple of only a few people that seem to notice this for some reason but yeah. uh, I think we've got good reason to be and again we're not saying he's a bad keeper by any stretch no not at all not at all okay so uh, Portelli let's hand over to you mainly for your player positions argument make your case so I've I've watched certain players and it's mainly mainly fullbacks I look at Kolarov I look at Marcelo and, and a few others like that Rose, yeah, Rose is a good example. Um, and it's like, why are they not playing left wing? And Moreno's another. Why are they not playing left wing? I don't understand why they're... Their skill set, for me, would suggest that they would be better as left wingers. And I started to think that about other players. And almost like Bale, for example, he was considered left back. He plays left wing one game, people realise he's good. And it, tr- and it goes from there. And I'm just wondering, like, what the thought processes are behind certain players when managers pick them. And do you think that players can be coached into certain positions? A bit, you know. Well, I mean, yes, players can be coached into certain positions, and I do think to some extent um, there's a little bit of overemphasis on, oh, but he's being played out of position when it's well, he's not playing as an attacking midfielder; he's playing as a midfield centre or something like that. Because um, I think you know, you got to remember that a lot of players don't even decide on their position until quite late. Or in Rooney's case, never. Oh <laughs> yeah, I mean. Here's an example. Ashley Cole was a youngster, started playing up front like a lot of youngsters do. Mm. Moved to left wing, then moved to left back. Mm. He could have been, when he was young, one of those players who you'd think he's more of a left winger. Mm. Um, look at Jeffrey Schlup, Schlup, who got a... I uh, don't know where he plays. I mean, two he's the girls, way. one Schlup, isn't it? Um, who, uh, <laughs> Edit that. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah. Who uh, plays... Um, 
well, he's played left back, left wing, centre forward, even had a trial at Man United at centre forward. On the weekend, uh, he was integral, or mixed, but very integral in terms of um, his performance to, to Leicester's win. So I think there's a little bit of an overemphasis but, 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 of he's then, this player, he's true, that player. True, but then the counter could that could then justify what England does, shoehorn in Gerard and Lampard, justify what, what teams like Man United, Chelsea and Man City do, just kind of say, oh, these are the 11 best players, we're going to shoehorn them in positions and don't get anyone else a chance. Well, and, the whole, the, and the whole defensive <laughs> midfield thing, where oh, this guy isn't good enough attacking midfield, i.e. Mikel, that's making defensive mid. Well, the defensive mid one's almost a separate topic, mm. but yeah, I'm not going to support the England, therefore, because I said that people can play different positions, yeah. moving people around, because at the end of the day, you're picking... What 11 players, not just are playing well, but effectively one of the first steps are what 11 players are playing week in, week out in that position and performing. There's a difference between being able to play in a position and being able to, over a long period of time, show your worth and excel in that position. And until you're doing it week in, week out in that position, you shouldn't be considered for England in that position. Yeah, true. I also think as well, it's, it's not so much positions, but the team. Because, I mean, as an example, let's use Marcelo as an example. I was watching Real Madrid play, and he was playing more up front than anything. He was always out of position and was just strolling back, if not walking back, when the other team attacked. But he's able to get away with that because he plays for Madrid. Because, you know, they've got, they'll generally be on top. But, you say that, I, I've noticed the trend which really winds me up. Hmm. They talk about the fine specimens of footballers, but I very rarely see players sprinting back when they've got up. Defenders, defensive midfielders, it winds me up massively as a fan watching it. But even when I'm watching not my team, um, I, people say, oh, but if you sprint back, then you'll be really tired and then you'll make a mistake and that'll be worse for the team. That's just an excuse for laziness. They literally show very, very little eagerness to get back. Maybe with a few exceptions like well, Leicester, I don't know. Well, that's don't really the, get out of position. Yeah, it's kind well, of a separate issue. Yeah, so. I say it's worth a discussion, but that's, that's a good point. But then it's like, well, if Marcelo played for like, a mid-table premiership club where you'd have to defend, you'd look terrible. You know, so that's the thing. It's kind of like playing players, maybe they serve certain teams. Let's talk about Torres. Torres is playing well at Atletico Madrid because the way they play suits his game, i.e. knock a ball up to him, he'll run, he'll beat the defender with a bit of pace and he'll finish. Chelsea, on the other hand, more of a possession-based game, difficult to break down. He doesn't have the skill set to get past players. He still shouldn't have looked that bad. No, no, I'm not saying otherwise. But then... In that case, is he any any better than Jamie Vardy? But do you think you say that that's Torres' mm. strengths? But is that the way that Liverpool played when he did pretty well? Uh, there? Well, to a point, it was more Gerard pinging it to him, and he was on the run, um, on the last defender, bit of pace. Goal. And if he's a truly top player, then he would still excel like Aguero does at City, and they play fairly deep. A player who is often overlooked for the player of the season. Oh, let's let's, let's talk about that in a sec. Actually, let's talk about him and Ozil. Let's um, let's, let's yeah have a we reminder. That bit. Well, we'll talk about that. But yeah, um, yeah. But that's the thing. That comes back to then big clubs wasting money. Oh, he's a good player. He can play anywhere. We'll sign him. Rather than like, if Chelsea wanted a striker that fitted their philosophy, why spend 50 million on someone who doesn't? As, and again, coming back to the point, is Torres a glorified Jamie Vardy? They seem quite similar to me. That's a little bit harsh. On Jamie Let's Vardy? Get back onto the positions, though. Yeah. No, but, I, but, I, but I'm on the position because I think it's less about positions, more about the team and about the way they play suiting players' strengths. I see what you mean. But you, you talked about shoehorning people into certain positions. Hmm. and I did say that a player can play in a particular position. But 
I am also a fan of playing a natural player in their position, especially if they're a youngster. I agree. So what I mean by this is that I've seen a West Ham play Antonio at right back to some extent, to great effect at right back uh, over recent months. But I'm there sitting thinking, well, they're stealing youngsters from Valencia, etc., because they're trying to say there's a path into the first team. Yeah. But if there was, they must have a half-decent right-back who they could have called upon for that spell rather than do what they what did. A, what about that um, Reese Oxford guy? I know he was a centre-back. He's but, a centre-back yeah. slash defensive midfielder. But That's more is, is, natural a slot, maybe. Yeah, may, maybe, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I've kind of got mixed feelings here, is what I'm saying, between the idea that, yes, players can play in other positions and it's overrated, but two, therefore, you should have to play in that position week in, week out to excel, to get into the England team. Mm. To three, I would rather youngsters be given a chance in their natural positions than shoehorning and moving more experienced players in there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's more just about judging it objectively. So let's say if there's a guy who's an 8 out of 10 on right midfield, but will be a 6 out of 10 at right back, but then you've got a youngster who's maybe a 6.5 out of 10. I know it's very simplistic, but play the youngster. But I think quite often that doesn't happen that way. It's, I mean, if you take England, Gerard and Lampard are maybe 9 or 10 out of 10s in their respective positions at Chelsea. At England, they had to play a completely different role, so they became more like 6 or 7s because their skill set doesn't suit the role, particularly Lampard's, when you could have put an 8 out of 10 character there. Fair enough, yeah. With this positions thing as well... Um... I'm sorry if I'm taking it onto this topic no, too no, this quickly. No, no, this is this is fine. But yeah. the the one thing I've said for a number of years now <laughs> is that the defensive midfield position is the most overrated, easiest to play position in football. You hear many people say the opposite and say it's the hardest to play. It requires great skill, even though it doesn't necessarily look like that. Well, my counter would be Dwight York. All right, so let's do a few counters. Obi Mikel. Mikel. Um, Petrov, base Petrov as well. There's so many examples of attacking midfielders or going going backwards. Who were considered attacking midfielders. Or, or strikers, Who yeah. were basically found out as not actually being good enough, skillful enough in that role, um, and therefore playing defensive midfield. Okay, yeah. a lower level, but Joe Ledley. Yeah. Made his name at Cardiff being an attacking midfielder slash left winger, creating, yeah. but to some extent, scoring a few. And he is the most bog-standard defensive midfielder you will ever see. Who all he does is run around a decent amount, which any professional footballer should be able to do. Get a bit stuck in, which any defense, any footballer with a half-decent build should be able to do. Doesn't require a massive build in, in modern-day football, the way things have gone, with physical contact. Um, and basically just not moving a lot from in front of the defence and passing the ball five five yards sideways. And you can make a career out of it and even get raved about it. It's a, it's a weird one because it's almost like the better the club you are, the easier it is. And, but, but then the more effective you can be. So if, as an example, Sergio Busquets is absolutely crucial to the way Barcelona play. His skill set suits, suits perfectly that side. If you were to put him in the Premiership, apart from playing for a big club, maybe... And even then, it'd have to be like a, a home big club, like like a city or someone. If he played, if he played for Palace, he'd be absolutely destroyed. Destroyed? I don't know about destroyed, but he wouldn't stand out. He certainly wouldn't. And I, I think, but I say destroyed because I'm not sure he'd have the physicality. I know he's tall, but yeah, I yeah, think he's got a bit be, about him. Yeah, yeah, but would he look any different from? I'd, oh, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> I like my defensive midfielders yeah. who sit in that position to 
generally be more in the mould of a Yedinak. Yeah, but that's my point. Yedinak suits, suits, suits your, the Paddy skill set better. You than... say that, but Pardew disagreed at the beginning of the season. He's only just come round to realising well, he's yeah. not the new Guardiola. <laughs> and actually, he is important. And you also then fully need to play him in a run of games. Um, but, I mean, my truly best defensive midfielders are the ones that can do... Can basically be solid, tall, win headers and strong. Keep that position... And then do something extra. So the yeah. players that were truly top class were the likes of Essien, who was big and strong, could win headers, could pass well, and could go box to box when I mean, he needed the, to. The thing is, though, all the stuff you said is good, but it's all on-the-ball stuff. For me, it's the off-the-ball stuff, the interceptions, the positioning, that kind of stuff. The best ones don't but I think run, that's the stiff. stuff that's quite easy to do. Because, all right, maybe some people do the interceptions better. Carrick used to be considered pretty yeah, good at that. Yeah, certainly not now, but I'll, but give, I'll give you that. I, yeah. He didn't do enough in the physical side of things But he didn't to. need to because the way United played, he was more suited to... You know, I still wanted the player in that position to do a little bit, be, put themselves about uh, a little bit more. Um, but I just think that it's actually very easy to at least be mediocre. In no, I agree. I think it's the easy position to be. It's one of those where it's the easiest position in the world to do a competent job. But then you only need to do a semi-competent job, and depending on your name, I, I you agree. get praised. Mikel had a few good games no, in, I, what, in about yeah. eight years. I agree. This is why you certainly could coach. You don't need to spend thirty million on the position. Certainly not if you've got a player that's got the physicality. Because yeah. at least for the beginning part of the career, you basically say, get stuck in, win headers, pass the ball five yards sideways and don't move a lot from that yeah. position. And that'll get you a True. decent amount of the way. Um, and I certainly don't think you need to spend big on any player that doesn't that well, does I mean, that unless they then have the Essien or the extra no, quality. I mean, you look at Leicester, though. I mean, I know Drinkwater's done well and Kante's done well. They've done brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that. Yeah, fine, they are, they have. But the point is, is that there are ultimately, you don't need to spend big money on those positions. We've shown it with these guys. <clears throat> yeah, but those players actually offer a little bit more than your standard players. But, but is that not confidence? That uh, I don't know. I mean, Kante is a massive engine, which there probably should be more out there if we're talking about Yeah, I'm about kind of surprised. Like, players, because he almost shouldn't... Find specimens these yeah. days. There should be more out there. He is so box-to-box, that's his difference. And actually, Drinkwater, I think, uh, maybe it is confidence to some extent, but I think he's... Um, that ball that he played to Vardy oh, signified great, it the other week. It? That was great. I think he's got a bit more quality and technique than we necessarily realised. No, I agree. Maybe part of it is running off of some confidence, confidence yeah. but I think it's a bit more in it than yeah, that. No, fair enough, and if yeah. he was a foreign name, maybe that would be spoken about a bit oh, more. Oh, I would agree, yeah. But he is getting some credit and getting yeah. in England for sh- as well. Just. But, I mean, talking of, talking of defence midfielders, the ultimate, and I'm going to link this to Oatesill later, the ultimate thing is, the ultimate one's Pirlo. I mean, you have to completely build a team around him. But he's exactly the sort of defensive midfielder I can't stand. Yeah, if there right, is the one, I'd want one to be a bit more solid. But I mean, he he obviously works to a point, but you you literally have to have like he actually you you have to completely build a team around him. You have to play a diamond formation, and you have to have two up front. And you have to have the centre backs doing passing the ball. He he is just the ultimate luxury. But, but the, I, I want to bring it back to Dwight York. I think he's the best example because as a striker, it's not like he was a striker that even held the ball up great. He was I know, more it's of a forward looking, yeah, push yeah. forward, goal scoring striker. And he got to 37 38, and it's like, whoa, you can't hack it there. So let's just put you in defensive right, midfield. You've got all this experience, <laughs> you'll be able to adapt. Paul Scholes 
is one of the only players who, yes, he prolonged his career in that position, but he actually found the, the position difficult because, quite frankly, he can't tackle and he's not very big. <laughs> if he was a bit bigger and was even half medium okay at tackling, he would have got away with that more than he actually did. Well, but it just shows you it's just not that Do you know difficult. with Dwight York, though, who would be the equivalent nowadays of, like, moving back to the first like, like, um... Well, you know, if he, like Anthony Martial, maybe like when he's thirty-seven, extent, yeah, yeah, I think that'd yeah, be, be exactly. crazy. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if it was a Diego Costa, you could almost see it slightly more because yeah. he plays with his back to goal. He is a bit gritty and gets stuck in. That would almost work better, yeah, or would be more naturally. You would think. <laughs> so I want to talk. Like we're talking about team of the season. I know Oates wasn't in it, but he was. He was in the six nominations for the Player of the Year award. Yeah. I don't get him. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna is make. Is this the one that you said is what, voted what is for in like Feb? Yeah, Feb. Yeah, but 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 I don't get him as a player because I I don't. If he plays attacking midfield, I know his stats are good for assists and stuff. But only this year. Only this year. Okay, fine. They're really this, poor the last two years. Yeah, it was because you know he didn't do well the last two years. But attacking midfielder needs to score goals, or dribble past people. He does neither of those things. See, this is this is I see an attacking midfielder in the same way as you yeah. though. Yeah. Some people don't. Because like David Silva may not score many goals, but he actually runs past people. Yeah. But for me, I don't think Ozil does for me, for the money they paid mm. and for the reputation and credit that he gets, he should be doing a De Bruyne. He should, he should be, be having That's what that I'm saying. impact yeah. on games. He should be having De Bruyne. But you can say he's not that type of player, fine, but an attacking midfielder needs to be that type of player. Otherwise they're not worth that yeah, money. Yeah, and otherwise they're not an attacking midfielder. For me for me, he's more suited centrally because then he can play those ping as a centre midfielder because he can play Just those balls. MC as you'd call them, midfield centre. Yeah. But yeah, to but do that too much of a luxury. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. To do that you'd have to build because I think I think overall is he the new Pirlo? Yeah, well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the only way to, to get out of him. Because I'm saying he just doesn't do enough. And I think he almost holds Arsenal back to a point. Because if he... Because you, for me, I'd play Sanchez there. Because Sanchez does what an attacking midfielder should do. Whilst I agree, and in the last few months, I agree. Yeah. I have to say that um, in the first half of the season, and his overall assists this year, yeah. uh, are enough to... Um, counter it this year but it is one in three and it was half a year in three yeah, half a year, because yeah. he, he was getting some credit in the early years and barring the first no, two was, three games was, yeah. well he did at times yeah. barring the first yeah, no, couple agree, of yeah. games um, his stats were literally something like four or five assists yeah that I would expect Palace players to get yeah yeah no he was he was midfielders it was crazy considering he doesn't offer enough elsewhere as well this year the assists are good I won't look at the chances created stat because it's a stat that I truly do not believe in that gets thrown around chances created per game 15 does he take how do you define it as well which how do you define I don't even know that one's a crazy one um you know maybe you'd say oh yeah but you can't do it from assists because you know um it's unfair if the striker doesn't finish it off well, yeah, people will have a dig at Giroud and say, you know, maybe that's why he'd have more assists. I probably would as well, but yeah. Well, I'm more of a Giroud fan. But it's also, you know, they're not a club who are battling relegation. They are scoring goals. They are an attacking team. They do finish in just the top four every year. So there should be some players who are putting the ball away. Yeah, and then you could also say, well, anyone would be better if you're passing to Ronaldo rather than... Giroud, you know, it's, it's, you can't mm. use that as an excuse. Who's the other player you had note with? I had a what? With the player of the season. I, I did there was another really. one. Um, I mean, there was a... No, not really. Um, any, who were the centre-backs again? Uh, 
I think they were fair from memory. Oh, the fair, yeah, yeah. Um, Morgan, for example, mm. and um, Alderweireld, um, right back, but they're in fine. I've just thought of something, by the way. Yeah, go on. The charity Community Shield yeah. could be Leicester City versus Crystal Palace next year. <laughs> That'd be quite funny. <laughs> what odds would you have ever thought of that? And <laughs> I have been winding up a Tottenham fan at, at work saying um, that for all of Spurs' great season, we could win a trophy and they could win nothing. But they get a championship. Hey. I know it's big. I know that's bigger than. Well, difficult. I, I, I mean, with that, I, I kind of feel that I'm happy with the discussion of the player positions. I was just wanting to have that discussion about the balance between coaching someone, but also shoehorning players in. Um, so I'm just getting excited now, though, about if Palace beat United, they're in the Europa League, which would actually be but, terrible but, but, for but us. But they, but they could do that anyway, couldn't they? No. No. The like they changed the rule back, so now you have to win the cup to get the Europa League spot. Okay, okay. Otherwise, it goes to the league, which is typical. Just when we <laughs> finished third in the top division in 1990 or whatever, it was the last year that Palace couldn't qualify uh, for the Europe because of the high school ban um, for English clubs. So um, I feel a little bit aggrieved by that. And then now we're going to have to beat United. Well, to get you just have Europa. to win then, won't you? That's, that's, that's the thing. But actually, you know, we said about the incentive for clubs to take the FA Cup mm. more seriously in the previous pod. Um, if, it, if it was the loser can get into Europe, depending on the other team, it might actually make clubs push for it a little bit more. Because I feel, you know, some clubs give up on it because they've got to focus on the league a bit more, which is always going to happen, but maybe would happen less if that rule was still there. Uh, on the other hand, you know, they don't want whole Palace in Europe, even Millwall to some extent. Millwall, well, but they got in under yeah, that rule, did, did, and yeah. we're not, which yeah. doesn't seem right to me, yeah. especially as they didn't play a Premier League club until the final. True. Well, they can't do anything about the draw, it just is what it is. Do you um, still do you want to talk player positions? No, I'm, I'm quite happy with well, it. I want to well. finish on yeah. a kind of end note, which is um, I want to talk Charlton Athletic briefly. Do you know a lot about what's going on? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I it's want to laugh at them actually first because, as, oh, that's me. <laughs> as a Palace fan, ha ha. A lot of smug Charlton fans growing up when we were in administration and struggling and they were having their Premier League good times. So, ha uh, ha. You annoying little club of fans that only turned up in the Premier League. Um, but um, on the other hand, if it wasn't Charlton, uh, it is terrible the, what is going on there in terms of the ownership and just not listening to the fans and the, the craziness that ensues. So if it wasn't for the uh, r- disgusting abuse that Charlton fans were giving us the day that we got relegated at their stadium, not them putting us down, but uh, I would be more sympathetic. But did you see the protest the fans did? No, no. Was Another it? protest, but this time it was a um, pretty impressive protest to some extent. Uh, they got a whole load of beach balls. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stopped the game or almost stopped the game at yeah. one point. It was thrown all on the pitch. Yeah, but I, I at least, I, I generally just have a problem in protest because they don't actually do anything. If you want to protest, don't go to the game. Or if you're going to go to the game, do something like that. Don't do a token <laughs> effort. I don't know. I think that if it truly merits a protest... Then, then do a protest. Well, yeah, they did do a protest. No, but that's what I'm saying. But a lot of these, like, oh, they just buy a sign that says, you know, learner out or stand or clap at the 14th minute or something. Well, you know who are protesting this weekend? Who? Arsenal. Really? They're protesting at mainly the board, but a bit of Wenger out twice in the game. And uh, interestingly enough, as was said on the Guardian pod, um, one of them 
one of them's the 12th minute, one's the 78th minute. Yeah, I mean, that's just... And if they left after the 78th minute, no one would know. Yeah, exactly. Because that's standard after hey, yeah, which is so true. Exactly. So is it a that, fire that, drill? It means nothing, because it's just, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, though, because you've got Arsenal, who I think have got a right to be aggrieved in many respects, against um, Norwich. And uh, Norwich are, like, third from bottom, and Arsenal are third from top or whatever or fourth it's relative though and it is relative but you've got one club protesting the other not yeah it's, it's relative though isn't it it's you know I think it's kind of like in this country we're not happy with certain things but compared to other countries we're better off but it's the relative Arsenal pay the most tick, they pay the most expensive tickets they have promises they broken to them you know they, they you, you expect more if they didn't if they, if they didn't pay all those expensive prices, they paid Norwich prices and you got Norwich players of football, then they shouldn't protest. If it's on the Wenger thing, though, whilst I am at this season, particularly, I've come round to Wenger out, in theory, as was also... We're stealing stuff from The Guardian here. But as I've thought about, actually, for some time, is there isn't an obvious replacement who would pick it up and continue the Stalin ethos I think in that's a quick way. Thing, thing. For me, it's not so much the league position. I think many managers would do fine with the squad he has. Um, I think it's more the ethos. I, I get that. I, I don't. I think the, the managers out there who would be, you know, without ignoring ignoring style, would be the names in the hat if you ignored style, would actually really struggle to take that team forward without significant signings and, because and, it's very much built in his mould. True, and we're also seeing, you know, with Klopp and etc. it's like, oh, we can't possibly do better, we need our own players, you know. So, well, I, I think, you know, I mean, look at Swansea to some extent, although they've had less success recently. Yeah. They do something that makes sense. They've got a certain philosophy yeah. and they get the managers that they think suit that philosophy so that they then don't have to overhaul the players. Yeah, which, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but who would you then bring into Arsenal to replace Wenger? Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I like Rodgers, etc., but they wouldn't actually quite merit no, that job. I, 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 I get that. I mean, I'm a winger-out person, but I, I get that. But if that's the case, then keep them on till there is a replacement. Yeah, I mean, the only one would have been a pep. Yeah. But now he's not there. Is there someone who's got a big enough experience? What about the Dortmund manager? Has he got enough experience yet? Well, he may want to leave because Bayern Munich keep nicking Dortmund's players. Now Hummels is joining them. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. That truly shows you how sewn up they at least should have that league. They're legit. Bayern are legitimately just playing buying players because they play for Dortmund. So they, the last players they've, they've they've always signed players just before Goetze. because of Dortmund. Go, Goetze, I mean Lewandowski recently. I mean Lewandowski in his own I mean, right. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll give that. But Goetze doesn't get in their team, and they have plenty of players like him. Hummels, I mean, they don't need him. It's just they just. Well, no, they do. They could do with a solid centre back. But yeah, but why are they getting Hummels? And if I was Dortmund, I'd mean, dig I'm, my. I'm not. I'm not mad, and I don't think he's that good. I know. I know there's a certain risk for Dortmund doing this in some respects, but I'd dig my heels in as a principal of just not being a yeah, Bayern's bitch make him say look even at a loss yeah. well, no not a loss but say no, if what you, I mean is like if Bayern offered 25 and yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 send him to the 20 yeah and even if he's like no I don't want to he's been a good servant I think there's a certain degree of looking out for your own interests here. and actually loyalty if you're I mean if, if, if Dortmund say to him you can join any other club apart from Bayern I think that's quite reasonable but maybe family want to stay in Germany, etc. They're not that close, well, by the well, way. Well, then fine, stay at Dortmund. They're not down the road yeah, for the record. Good. Yeah. I lived a few months in Dortmund. No, it's not very nice. I wouldn't want to stay there. Well, anyway, anyway, um, we could wrap up, or did you want to talk more about Charlton? Just 
want to laugh at them, really. Uh, Who's laughing go. now, clown boys? Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> All right. So we've alienated our uh, many Charlton listeners, or our many listeners. There you go. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Um, news overtook a lot of the pod this time, um, but hopefully you uh, enjoyed us still, and we'll be picking out a key theme uh, for our main next time, and hopefully it won't be so long next time. Um, yes, cheers. So, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Make sure that you spread the word uh, on all the social media, etc., and uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, next time. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, bye-bye.